Are you ready to take your mindset to an even higher level on and off the mat? Then you're ready for the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, where business owners and aspiring entrepreneurs open their minds to new ideas and concepts that will help you during your entrepreneurial journey and during your consistent pursuit of becoming the best version of yourself personally and professionally. It's time to go beyond the mat with the host of the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, Gustavo Dantas. Welcome to episode 74. I'm your host, Gustavo Dantas, and today we'll have the fourth degree black belt, Vicente Jr. Vicente is the co-founder of BJJ Conquest, which has multiple academies in Maryland. He talked about running his association in the United States and in Brazil. He also shared about the importance of treating your business like it's a business instead of a hobby. Otherwise, you will be compensated financially as a hobby. And my takeaway from the interview came in when we talked about how crucial it is to acquire knowledge. However, even more important than learning is applying what you're learning, which inspired me to title this episode, Executing on Your Knowledge. Stick around for my final thoughts after the interview when I expand on this topic and I share with you the concept of the librarian of the mind and the warrior of the mind. Stay tuned right after Jiu-Jitsu Tribe's message. Who's the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast is a proud supporter of the nonprofit organization Jiu-Jitsu Tribe, formerly Live Jiu-Jitsu. Jiu-Jitsu Tribe supports social projects who offer free Jiu-Jitsu classes to unprivileged children and young adults in impoverished communities, inspiring, impacting, and improving their lives, keeping them away from drugs and crime, creating hope, and creating champions on and off the mats. Your donation helps projects to pay for their monthly expenses and facility makeovers. As a supporter, the BJJ Mental Coach donate all the profit of all online courses and merchandise to Jiu-Jitsu Tribe. For more information, please visit www.jujitsutribe.org. Let me introduce you to today's guest, Vicente Jr. Vicente is a fourth-degree black belt under Ricardo de la Riva. He is the co-founder of BJJ Conquest, which has multiple academies in Maryland. He's a five-time Master IBJJF Pan Champion, Master No-Gi World Champion, and IBJJF Adult Black Belt Bronze Medalist. Vicente, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Gustavo. How are you doing, man? Thank you for having me on your podcast. I'm doing great and glad to have you here. And we're going to talk with just recently, we're recording this in October 2019, and uh, you just recently got back from Brazil. So during the conversation at some point, I want to talk a little bit for you to um, talk about some of your affiliates and your work in Brazil too. But first, how did Jiu-Jitsu show up in your life? Well, martial arts in general and then eventually Jiu-Jitsu. Uh, I like to say that Jiu-Jitsu literally knocked at my door. Mm. Uh, I, I, I actually started uh, with a Judo back in 1992. And, uh, and the reason why I started in judo, it's funny because of the, the move blood sport. So I watched the move and I started looking for, for gyms to do martial arts and I could not find it. And uh, the first gym, actually, I was able to walk in. It was a judo gym. So my brother signed me up. I got my gi. I started doing classes. Then... Around like 1994, um, I was at this point, I was the only kid on my neighborhood that was doing martial arts. So I was well known by the 
the Paulista kid because I'm from Sao Paulo. <laughs> I was well known by, by the the kid from Sao Paulo that that was doing judo. So I had another kid that moved from my neighborhood to my neighborhood from uh, Rio Grande do Norte, Natal, and he was a blue belt. He didn't have a place to stay to train because uh, pretty much Alagoas, my hometown, didn't have jiu-jitsu. So um, talking around, he found out that I was doing judo. So he came, knocked at my door, and I was actually, it's funny because I was actually the one that answered the door. So that's how we met. Uh, so he introduced himself. Um, I took him to my gym. I watched him rolling with the black belts. And I fall in love with the, the jiu-jitsu and how jiu-jitsu was, you know, amazing, um, you know, the ground game, how he was easily able to dominate the black belts and submit them. So I look at him and I say, hey, man, you know, I, I really want to do that. And um, the second, after that, second step, we were trying to find a place to train, which we couldn't. So we kind of like set up a place at his living room at his house on on his mattress and we start training at his house that's how jiu-jitsu like show up in my life that is definitely a unique story so how would you say jiu-jitsu relate to life to me like i say it's literally knocking my door and i see that like uh opportunity you know like every day we had maybe one two three dozens of opportunities knocking your door and it's up to you choose to hold it take it or just leave it so i think uh, i was able to get the opportunity that day when it knocked at my door and when did you have the spark to pursue jiu-jitsu for a living maybe i don't know if you had a time that after you start training, you realize, you know what, I think I want to do this for a living. You know, you know what, Gustavo, that's a, that's a great question because um, I, don't, I, I don't think I really had a vision till 2012 after, after all these years, I, was, I only had the mindset of training and compete, right? I was teaching to them to them, but I wasn't really into the mindset of being an instructor or a mentor or a leader. Or a leader. I was more into competing, um, get better uh, as an athlete, but not really as a gym owner or anything. So back in 2012, after five years of living in the United States, I had my first trip back to Brazil. So that's when I realized how big my legacy is. And I, I, I stop and I look to all that people that went to a seminar uh, to do a seminar with me. And I, I realized I was like, oh, I think I need, to, I need to, to do a shift in my career. I don't know if you've ever heard of this. I, I wrote, I wrote, I read a book before that talked about the transition. Everybody goes through that transition in between warrior, king, and a sage, right? I think to 2012, I was, I was being a warrior. And when I realized I have all these people that was just waiting to find a direction, I came to a, 
realize that, okay, now I need to become a leader. I, become, I need to give these this people direction. So that's when really, I really had a spark of, okay, this is the time that I need to focus on my legacy. You know, I relate with, in part with what you're saying. Um, I, I feel that my breakthrough maybe was 2010, maybe two years before, but it was more like with, with that sense of putting more thought into the word leadership that you just mm -hmm. mentioned. I think I never really put a lot of thought into that. It was just so natural that same thing, yeah, you're teaching and then doing this thing, but I think I never really put a lot of thought to it. But when I mentioned the spark, how old were you when you realized that, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pursue jiu-jitsu? Because you know? a lot of the times for jiu-jitsu, people end up being organic. You just do the next thing when you notice you're teaching. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, 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 was on, I was on my transition from first, uh, I would say like here, first grade to second, uh, not first grade, I'm sorry, from middle school to high school. And I wasn't really doing very well at school. And, but I was like already, I think I was like blue belt or something. Uh, like I mentioned before, on my hometown, we didn't have jiu-jitsu. So we only have a few, like, I think at that time, actually, we only had one school that really had jiu-jitsu. So uh, it was back in 2000, no, sorry, 1996. 1996 so that's when i i realized you know what i i can't teach but it was more with like being a selfish you know what i mean i think every every jiu-jitsu practitioner come through the same step on on their life you know like uh, they want to just teach it's not really to teach it's just because they want to train more often mm -hmm. so <laughs> i i came to this like okay i can't teach and also this is will help me to train more often. So I think it was in back in 1996, I was 18 years old at that time. Yeah, it's funny because when I was younger, I think I was 16 when I kind of had my, my aha moment, let's say, thinking about the same thing, the coach, I'm looking at the teacher, I'm like, so let me get this straight. So this guy does jujitsu anytime he wants. And he gets paid for it. <laughs> and I was like, I right, mean, I'm in. So that's kind of like the idea came to. And it eventually, not that it changed, but it has evolved. Like the same one in your, in your career has evolved. And I think a lot of the listeners who are entrepreneurs, they have business. And maybe you're listening right now and said like, yeah, I had this, this goal at first, this idea. And then it changed. Sometimes it's not changed, it just evolved. As you, like yours, you know, in 2012, that's when it really evolved and it started going to another level. So my question is, how was the mindset from that point on when it was 2012? Okay, I'm going to take this to another level. So how, how did you implement those, you know, those ideas and the, and the thought that came? Yeah, like I say, to there, uh, I was just... Thinking about tournaments, I would I didn't really realize how much impact on on the jiu-jitsu community I, I could make. So I I start thinking how could I improve and business-wise because I knew I were I, I was I, I'm already a good a good instructor. I could teach a great class, but I need to uh, 
trying to create a better platform at the academy in a, the way that could help the students to understand better my message as an instructor, you know, and, uh, and also how I would be able to share that with also my students in Brazil, because I, I, I'm settled in the United States now. I'm only able to go to Brazil once a year, right? So I knew I will had to come back. So my mind, it was already like working very hard to try to make sure that I would be able to build a good business in the United States. But how come, how, how, how can I keep that business in the United States, but also help my students, my legacy in Brazil, like join uh, the same ideas with me, you know, like it was, it was really hard because like I say, I was, I was, it was a surprise. I didn't, I, I, until that moment, I was just like going with the flow, just like training, teaching, not worry about, about how many students I have at the gym, not worry about who's learning or who's not learning. I was just like, okay, let's go train, 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 not worry about how to set up classes, how to, you know, you it was treating very- like, you were treating like a hobby, not like a business. Yes, exactly. I was like literally tr- treating like a hobby, not business at all. Yeah, in this, I feel that well, it's kind of hard for me to generalize and say to everyone, but most of most people that I know that started from jujitsu and then kind of went through the transition that cool, I want to just start teaching because yeah, I can can keep doing what I'm doing. Started kind of treating like a hobby, which means you get paid like a hobby, you know? So exactly. when you treat like a business, you have better chance of being compensated um, like a business, you know? So what did you say it's one of, if not the biggest, or one of the biggest struggles that have been through being a school owner and um, what did you learn from it? One of the biggest struggles it's come to realize that it's, it's like, I, I think everybody thinks the same way I do, and it could be like a good uh, learning from them. It's come to realize people is not gonna knock on my door at the gym and train with me. It's simple because I'm a black belt. You need to learn how to operate your business and how to get people at the door. And it was hard to me understand that because I think everybody thinks the same way, like, okay, I'm a black, I'm a jiu-jitsu black belt. Now I can come to United States, I can go to Europe, I can open a gym and I'm gonna make a money. No, it do, it's not like that. You know, I, I still have a friends that just got their black belts in Brazil and contact me and say, hey, do you wanna have me over for a seminar? You know, like they, they believe that, okay, now that I'm a black belt, I'm, I'm capable to do anything. Or even the fact that, okay, I'm gonna train all my life, to become a world champion, as soon as I get the title, I will be able to make tons of money doing seminars. So uh, uh, that was the, 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 the biggest struggle to realize that I was like, okay, like my black, it's not that my black belt doesn't mean anything. It means a lot to me. It means a lot to my students that train with me right now. But to get those people at the door to, conduct the business and to make the business uh, be profit, it, it doesn't matter. You know, like I have students 
that train with me for like three, four months, they don't even know pretty much who I am or what I, I already, what are my achievements? You know what I mean? They don't know Absolutely. because, because they, 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 or either they do another classes or either they haven't met me before or either they just don't want to go online and research for it. You know what I mean? They just came, they want to, they want to do, um, um, some, a physical activity. They just want to be part of something and they start training. Then later on down the road, they, they realize like, Oh, that's great. Actually, I got a good black belt. He's under a great lineage, but yeah, it was, it was the biggest problem at first, like realize and have someone come to me and say, look, you're good. Your jiu-jitsu is great. You go to the tournaments, you win and everything, but your belt right now is not going to help you pack the gym. <laughs> you know, like this is, this is like, uh, I, I believe is a slap on the face of a bunch of black belts. Absolutely. And I hope we do have a lot of business owners who listen to the podcast. I mean, it's dedicated to entrepreneurs, aspiring entrepreneurs, people who are planning on running a business. So we do have a lot of school owners that listen to this. And what you just said, man, I really hope if you're listening right now and you're a school owner, you don't underestimate what Vicente just said, because I had uh, Marcio Pedipano here and we had an interview of uh, what I think it was episode 68 not too long ago and that was his biggest struggle too that he mentioned that we come in with a sense of entitlement that like I'm a black belt and yes. I have won many titles you yes. know people should come to me <laughs> and yeah, I, they don't they just don't care <laughs> yeah and the my thought process too I mean I really uh, had a chance to realize this a long time ago, like the difference between uh, Brazil and U.S. I mean, in Brazil, you may never seen a class, or but you have heard of the word jiu-jitsu. Maybe you even say like Gracie family, right? Is there something like that? I mean, yeah. it, you heard the word jiu-jitsu in Brazil, period. Maybe you never seen a gi, but you heard of the word. In the United States, people are still discovering what is this jiu-jitsu thing. So you yep. think the team's going to really matter or your titles? They don't care. You know what I mean? They, they yep. try to figure out like what jiu-jitsu is. Do you think they know who De La Riva is or who IBJJF is? They have no clue. The they same no thing clue. just said I had uh, one of my uh, close friends, Vito Shaolin, uh, on episode 17. And uh, he talks about his three-time Black Belt of the World Champion and say like, well, I have no idea who I am. You know what I mean? They come here, they have no clue what accomplishes. Just like, oh, Vitor, yes. And then, like you said, and then they, maybe as they start training, they go and they research. So when, and that helps when, for example, people are moving, they go into another state, they're already trained, and they're like, okay, now I kind of know what to look for. And then look at credentials, they help. Yeah. But when you look at the percentage of how many people are, who would bring you doesn't know anything and people come from out of state, the out of state is a, or like one, two percent of people that the leads that are gonna come to your door, you know. Uh, so two, most they have no clue what's going on. Uh, two, two funny facts about it. It's uh, you. You mentioned about Victor Shaolin, which is actually Victor was one of my my heroes when I start uh, doing jujitsu. I was a white belt, and I used to watch uh, Victor like doing competing 
all those events as a brown belt than black belt. So I used to watch him a lot. And uh, I was in vacation in Orlando a few months ago. I was July. Yeah, it was a few months ago, July, June, July with my, my family. My, my son met a kid, white belt. My son is nine years old. Met a kid. It's like, hey, dad, like I met this kid. He's doing jujitsu. I was like, oh, great. So bottom line, I met the kid's parents. They come talk to me because my son told me I wear black belt. So end up the kid trains with one of the Shaolin's black belt down in New mm -hmm. York. So it's more word, right? Mm -hmm. So the kid's mom came to me and it was like, oh, yeah, he trains with this guy. Then she told him it's like Shaolin's name. I was like, are you talking about Victor Shaolin? Then she's like, yeah. And I was like, do you know this guy's a legend, right? Then she's like, what? I was like, <laughs> yeah, he's one of the greatest. Like uh, when I start jujitsu, I, I, he was my, my idol. Like I, I used to watch his videos. So you, the guy your son trains today is one of the jujitsu BJJ heroes, you know, like, yeah, it's funny how, how people have no clue. Like they, they don't, you know, jujitsu is, is very new. And especially now, again, for the school owners, man, sometimes you see some people hating on someone that maybe hasn't accomplished, maybe, maybe they barely competed, but they do have a lot of students. And then they say like, oh man, look at this guy. He'd never done anything, never come. But that means he's doing his work as an entrepreneur. He's looking to the online marketing. He's paying the price. That is why he has students. So the title, again, as you mentioned, credentials absolutely but man overall people want is that close to my house is it a nice facility is the schedule convenient i mean and your job as a business owner is try to provide the best service possible and it does help if you do have and you have the experience to share and of being sure. a competitor absolutely but i tell this is interesting i was uh, a couple of years ago I was a few years ago, I was talking with one of my students who now is a black belt and um, high-level black belt. And when he was purple, you know, since I do some work with a, the mental coaching, talking with him about him being nervous for, for tournaments. And then, and then he said, like, yeah, and I really want to do well so I can have my school and, do, and, then, and then have students. And I told him, like, man, you can stop right there. Just when he was a purple belt back then, but high-level purple belt, like, dude, with just the experience, if right now you never compete again with the experiences that you had as a purple belt, like you have enough experience. I'm saying like high-level guys that compete a lot and then decides to stop competing. Like with your personality and your leadership with this, you, have, you don't have to win an entitled. So don't go to the tournament thinking that you need to win. So then you have a school, a successful school. Don't mix things up. That's a completely different deal. You go there, you perform, but if you never compete again, it doesn't mean that you won't have, because he was young, he was like 19, 20, so that's what he heard people saying, like, yeah, you got to win, and then you have school. I'm like, don't buy into that. So actually, that helped him a lot to release a lot of tension of thinking that I have to win to have a school. Like, ain't like that, man. Especially, uh, I'm saying here, uh, United States. I don't know. I don't know for other places. I don't know I, that I can experience. But as far as here, the people still trying to figure out what is jujitsu, man. Yeah, I hundred percent agree with you. And I, I think it, I think uh, United United States already 
we can see that jiu-jitsu is, is shifting you know people finally stop start stopping with that old school mentality you know like oh let's go train for uh just tournaments 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 no some people just want to go to the gym because they want to be part of something they want to do some physical activity they just want to learn self-defense they just want to hopefully compete uh, i heard someone say something i was talking to one of my students in brazil he went to a seminar with the uh the football player kafu mm -hmm. and i think kafu has a social project and he was telling about like how many people he attended the project. I think he had like 3,000 people that he attended at the project, and but only 2,000 something are active. It's there every day. So he asking the, the, he asking like, do you guys have an idea how many of those will become a football player, like a high-level football player? None of them. Mm -hmm. But all of them will become a citizen. So I think, uh, I, uh, so I, I learned that I took I took that lesson to my business as like it's not everybody that comes to my gym to become a world champion. They just come to my gym because they want a service. You know what I mean? Hopefully they will become a world champion. Who knows? But at first they're just looking for the service of train jiu-jitsu, have a good instructor, have the instructor there on time with a clean gi, with a good attitude, and stuff like that. Not titles, not medals. It helped, yes, it will help down the road after you're, you have like a good uh, internet market, you pay, after you pay the price to have a good school. But the titles itself, it's not going to bring people to our school for sure. Yes. And now we're talking before the interview about some of the things that you like to share with your students. And we're talking about how um, knowledge is very important, and especially in in business, one thing I heard Tim Ferriss saying once, there's nothing more profitable in the world than knowledge. As long as you use them, you know, the knowledge yes. that you have, you just don't put in your head and that is it. So sometimes um, people have a um, hard time executing, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, if people have really hard time to execute and things. I, I, I used to have the problem of, I, I call it the problem of expectations, right? Like mm -hmm. you just expect things to happen or expect people do stuff for you. Um, and um, I always was a person that I always like to talk, like to listen. So I try to listen to everything, take my own conclusion, study about it, then take action. Because... Um, it's the only way you will figure out if that thing is going to work or not, if you try it, if you do it, you know, and I see like a lot of people have the acknowledgement, but they don't apply for many reasons. Sometimes because he's insecure, he doesn't think he, he will do that thing right. You know, like, and you see a lot this with, uh, with the techniques, right? Like you teach a technique to a student and he'd say, okay, I'm not going to do this because I'm not flexible. I'm not strong. I'm not doing this. I'm not fast. It's look, you got to try it. If you don't try it, if you don't do it, if you don't uh, execute, you will never know. So you rather to never know and just like feel like, okay, I don't know if it will help or not, or at least if you try it, you will see if you fail or not. So try it. So 
uh, that's what I, I usually I'm, I'm doing right now. Um, in, in the, not only in, um, in a business wise, but in life, all my life, you know, like I try to uh, learn process, try to, you know, like be smart about my decisions, but always try to execute as much as I can to be able to see the results because, you know, it's just kind of like, uh, I can't expect that I'm going to be rich with my first day of work. You know what I mean? Like I got my job and I got my first paycheck and I got frustrated about, no, I need to put time. I need to work. I need to put a time on and I need to like study. I need to get better on everything in order to succeed. So that that's the that's the, what I what I do in my life. Yeah, and for all the listeners who are entrepreneurs, maybe you're in a position in your life right now that hopefully things are going good and things are flowing well with your business. But if you feel that you hit a plateau and it's like, eh, things are not going well, we know that something needs to be changed. Something needs to be done. And very often, when you when you stop to think about it, we actually know what needs to be done. Sometimes we don't, and that's okay. And we ask for help, but very often we know that, man, if I do this here, I think it, it can, can get better and improve. So yes, executing on whatever idea you have. So basically it comes down to taking ownership, just a personal responsibility. Uh, like I said, no one's going to do it for you. You know, uh, it would yeah. be nice. Yeah, you know, we expect people, oh yeah, but um, you're the one going to make it happen. It's your dream. It's your problem. You're the one who got to deal with it. And Taking this responsibility, accepting the same thing you said that you're going to try. And absolutely, I would love to tell you that it's going to work every time, you know. And it's the same of, I, I mentioned this in a, in a podcast a, a few times, that uh, sometimes I drive my wife crazy with my entrepreneurial <laughs> ideas that I'm always trying to execute. And, and then I'm like, why are you always trying this? And I'm like, oh, you don't have money. We are both. You know what I mean? So. <laughs> We're both. My wife is going crazy with me too because I always have those crazy ideas. And, <laughs> and she's the one that supports me a lot. Like uh, I, I would not be here without her uh, as an athlete, as a, as a father, as, a, as a, a business owner. Like she's, she's pretty smart too. She helps me a lot. But and, and yeah, we drive our wives crazy, I'm sure. <laughs> probably, if you're listening right now, probably shaking your head yes. If you have an entrepreneurial DNA, you know exactly what you're talking about. Like, yep, I drive her crazy too. So she helps me out, you know, tremendously. She is a huge uh, part of the, uh, the success of the business, no doubt. And what I like to tell her that is like, hey, I'm like a, a quarterback. I would love to tell you that every throw that uh that i'm going to <laughs> out there i'm going to execute it's going to be a touchdown i would love to tell you that but it won't i will overthrow uh things out of my control are going to happen Dude, like someone could fumble someone could interception it doesn't matter but um if something if it goes bad i overthrow whatever go back to the line of the scrimmage you got to throw it again because there's another play you know what i mean yeah. so like oh that's it you know and i learned something years ago about uh, related to American football that someone said what it takes to become a great wide receiver. And, and this guy said, uh, short-term memory and it's a short-term memory said like, yes, <laughs> someone threw at you is not because you, uh, 
you drop this ball, then I'm like, oh my God, I drop it. Or like, hey, back to the line of scrimmage, man. You got another play. We ain't got time to be like dwelling. Oh my God. And at the same time, it's not because you you caught a great great pass, you're gonna be like, oh yeah, I'm good. Yeah, you celebrate and take like wait, 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 wait. The show must go on. <laughs> the, the, like, <laughs> no, you can celebrate, cool, and back to focus. So having that short memory that are like, all right, cool, happened great. Is in a pass. Let's go. Let's move on. Yeah, yeah, that's that's for sure. That's <laughs> what I would try to to do. Like you know, that's a, my kind of like my mindset with the tournaments. Like after I'm done there, done. Yeah, move on. Like, Next. Yeah, yeah, Max. Matter of fact, I I I think I'm probably one of the few black belts that I don't have any medals hang on my walls at the gym or anything like I just don't like it I should but I don't have it I have everything in a box because it's to me like I don't know it's it's just like it brings me joy to see it my son like to open the box and see all the time but to me um, after that moment at the podium move on you know like I, I hear you I totally understand um, what did you say is a one high-performance habit that you have that you practice daily? Wake up earlier every day, 4 a.m. Wow. Even on Sundays. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> uh, yeah. And it's, it's like uh, the reason I did that is because uh, I have like early morning privates. Then I have meetings. Then I have to take my son to school. I have to help my wife. She, she doesn't drive. She have a panic to get in a car, like even driving next to me, even sitting next to me in a car. If someone exiting, she's about to jump on the seat on top of me. She's, he has a terrible panic of drive. And this is a start since uh, she had the baby. And um, so I have to drive her everywhere. Um, so luckily we work together. She helped me with the gym, with the marketing and stuff. But um so i i realized like i need more time but i only have 24 hours yeah. so the only way i could do that is waking up early 4 a.m so i have a 30 minutes between quick shower coffee um go to the gym run i try to run every day at least to keep you know in good shape and then that's when i teach my privates take my son to school do a few stuff with my wife, drive her wherever she needs to go, go for the meetings at the gym and, and get the normal schedule for classes. So that's helped me. It, it, it gave me discipline. Good. Now, what is the best advice that I've ever received? What comes to your mind when you think about that? That could be jujitsu, life, business, anything. Um, it was actually from my, from my wife. Um, it was like, Believe in yourself. Don't you ever give up and do your best. <laughs> yep. And what advice would you give to the younger Vicente? Let's say when you had that shift in 2012, you know, if you could go back, not that you want anything different, of course, but I'm saying like based on now we have a good like kind of like a seven, almost eight years window from that moment that you have that switch in your professional career, if you could go back and give you one advice to a younger version, what would you tell them? I would be straight up honest. Learn English. <laughs> <laughs> Learn English. 
because I came in I, when I come when I moved to the United States in 2009 I didn't speak English at all mm -hmm. and I had to learn teaching I had to learn talking to the students or talk to friends and that's how I learned yeah well look at you now you're doing an interview in English in the... yeah, I hope it's not that bad <laughs> no, it's, it's good man uh, one thing that I tell people very often especially when people come in like i was having this conversation yesterday with a guy that is taking a class for the first time i always say like jujitsu is not different than any other skill that you want to become effective at it you know you want to be good at it it could be a, a musical instrument it could be a language i don't care it takes time it it takes practice and always the expectation how competent would you like to become in whatever skill you're you're trying to improve like if someone comes to the school Gustavo, i'd love to be a world champion but I, I can only make once or twice a week okay uh, like uh no and <laughs> that's not gonna happen so it's always according if you want to be efficient it might it might take some time you know it's always like are, do you want to be decent good great among the best of what they do what that is because whatever you're trying to do you're gonna have to spend more time that is that simple so with jujitsu with a instrument or language it doesn't matter it's just time and practice and consistency there's yeah. nothing nothing beat consistency of proper application of course because if you consistently do something bad it's yeah. gonna be bad you're gonna do something wrong but if you consistently have help and you're really trying to improve with something man it's just uh it's just a matter of time um one of the concepts that we share a lot here in podcasts is the growth mindset and the fixed mindset and with this book, Mindset by Carol Dweck, I always actually at the last interview with Anetchi Stack, we talk about this book, which I have mentioned plenty of times. When I have the fixed mindset, sometimes people that feel that uh, talent is the solution. I don't have the talent. I don't know when the growth mindset, it's basically with an attitude of the great work ethic, you can improve. I'm not saying like someone, me, I want to, let's say I don't play basketball and I say like, I want to learn how to play basketball. If I practice three times a week for a year, I'm not going to be on any NBA, but in a year, but in a year, I'm going to be playing with my friends. I'm going to have fun learning something. So it's kind of like being uh, realistic too with the expectations, how much time you, you can put in all this stuff. So having this growth mindset and understanding that with work ethic and dedication, man, you can improve very much in anything. You know, you may not become the best in the world and whatever I'm saying, but you can improve skills. That is a fact. That's for sure. That's for sure. That's something I share with my, when I'm, when I teach class, not very often, but most of my seminars, because I always open up 30 minutes for uh, Q and A. And I always tell, when they ask me, I have, always have the questions, like, how can I get good in jiu-jitsu? And I always tell them and say, just like drive, driving, just like walk, walking, you mm -hmm. know, like I don't have proper English, but I learned English speaking. So the only way you're going to learn jiu-jitsu is training jiu-jitsu. It's exactly the way you say, if you, if you come, if you realize that you need to train, if you want to be really good at it, you need to put time, you need to put effort. It's not just three days a week, two times a week. You probably, if you're talent, 
you might be the average, but you're not going to become a world champion only for two times, three times a week for sure. Yeah. So what is a good book for you to recommend to the listener? Uh, maybe a book that has impacted you at some point in your life and why? Um, I, I, I'm a terrible reader, <laughs> but I had this audio book that when I was traveling, uh, driving a lot, uh, which I like, it's The Power of the Habit by mm -hmm. Charles Duhigg. Um, it was very good book to me because I was trying to get better, not only as, as an instructor, but as a professor, as a coach, but I was also trying to understand my game and how I had those habits to do certain drills or to do certain warm-ups and, and some other stuff. And also I was trying to learn how to change my, my habits as wake up earlier and because we all have like some patterns that we follow you know and that book is really cool because they teach you they explain you exactly how the habit works you know what i mean and how you can uh change your habit without creating a new one so it's a, it's a really good book right on so we're getting close to the end of the interview so for all the listeners maybe if you're listening to the first uh, Uh, to the podcast for the first time after the interview i create an audio from five to seven minutes to inspire impact or improve your life in some way based on based on the takeaway that i get from the interview so usually that's the the tough part of my job because this year it's pretty easy you guys give me the content i just we just put it out there and then at the end i create something to maybe get uh, expand on whatever Uh, concept or idea that I was able to take away. So make sure that you stick around after the interview for that. And uh, just want to see what you're currently excited about, what is going on. Uh, well, one, I want to listen about your trip to Brazil and just talk a little bit about your affiliates. And I know that some of your students have social projects there too. So I'd love to hear a little bit about your work in Brazil. Yeah, uh, Brazil is, is really fun, Gustavo. Like, I try to go to Brazil once a year. I have some years that I went there twice. Um, one, one of the years actually was to surprise Master De La Riva over there in, in my hometown. He was doing a seminar. Um, yeah, I just got back there from uh, pretty much a week ago. And I was there for like six, seven days. I can't stay too long because of the business here, classes, my son's school, and all that kind of uh uh stuff but yeah i pretty much go there for uh three days seminar uh which i i divide in a one uh clinic that i try to share with my students there my black belts my business ideas like ideas that it's been working very well here uh, it, like everything like the online market um how to you know do like format your classes better how could keep like separate like the fundamentals to 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 the the all levels and all you know uniform everything i try to help them i try to share my knowledge you know and 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 i try to make it like available to everybody that way like people can learn and can and can 
make jiu-jitsu as a living you know uh that's my goal like i said before knowledge without application it's lost so i try to share this with them so the second day we that's when we do a kind of like a camp which i got the, the my brown belts that will get promoted to the black belt kind of like a, a black belt course preparation and the third day which is a sunday that was the big day which we had the seminar and uh we have over 200 people and this is all from our uh association on alagoas which is like fantastic it's amazing That's awesome. like, yeah the first time I, I i i i went there in 2012 it's funny because um i say you know what i'm gonna visit my students I'm going to buy my ticket. Hopefully we have like 60 people there. I don't know, maybe 50. And that'll be enough, pay for my trip. Great, I'm going. So on <laughs> Sunday I woke up, I was in the elevator. I called my student and I say, hey man, how's everything over there? Then he's like, professor, we, as right now, we have 183 people sign up, plus oh, the people that are still coming and we'll pay at the door then I, I was like what then my business partner was right next to me and looked to me he's like is everything okay and i was like i don't know man i think this guy's messing with me <laughs> <laughs> so then i that's when i like i told you like like that's when i i came to realize like man i have a big legacy here i need to you know i need to take you know ownership i need to be at front i need to lead those guys um, yeah, the event's great, and I try to use that time I'm there to also visit my students' social project, um, which we have uh, three social projects. One is uh, called Grota do Rafael, which is one of our uh, Maceió's biggest favelas. Uh, um, I don't know how to call favelas in English. Yeah, like the slums. Yeah, yeah, it's big slums. So. Um, then you have uh, the, the other social project called Mandavi and uh, the one in Coruripe. Obviously, I am not able to visit all of them, but I try to every year take a time just to surprisingly visit one. Like I try to make something like very special for the kids. I try to, you know, go there. And it, it's, it's good. It's being like very good to me because every time I go to Brazil I have some of my students from here and when they see that they always want to help they always want to make donations so this is really good for the kids and uh, my goal right now is trying to find create like uh, tools to bring those kids to states to compete to experience it's not probably uh, the majority of them not really to compete but I want them to experience. learn, experience, you know what I mean? Like expose them to an, a different culture. Because I think that's the most important part besides the tournament itself. It's expose them to a different culture, to a different world and show them it can happen. They can do it. You know what I mean? It's possible. Yeah, this is the the title of the matter is just the bonus you know what i mean you yes, know, yes this is just uh open, i've i helped over the years you know athletes to travel internationally and stuff like that 
And that is exactly because a lot of them, man, they would never probably will leave the state. You know what I yes. mean? Imagine the country. I mean, for them to like leave the state to even go to a different tournament, it's like, wow, what an event. You know, that would be crazy. So for them just to, like you said, just to see what is out there, that the world is so much bigger than what they think, you know, this experience is priceless. So this is something that I, I like to do too every year with different, even sports and stuff. Uh, um, that's really cool to see the impact of the, those trips on the, on the kids. And so what's going on with your schools and uh, here in U.S.? So um, any updates that you want to give to the listeners, invite people to stop by, just tell us yeah, a little bit more about your work here. Yeah, no, definitely. Like, I'm pretty excited with the schools. Uh, I start like nine years ago with uh, the first BJJ Conquest here in Millersville in Maryland. And right now we, we have like 450 students at the school. That's our headquarters. So two years ago, we opened a second location, which is pretty much 20 minutes uh, away from the, the first location. And you already have like 150, let me look it up the numbers here. Yeah, 150 members. So both schools doing very well. So when you try to expand, obviously we have few, uh, we have four other schools, but they're only affiliate to us. Mm-hmm. But as right now, we, we own, like myself and my business partners, we own three schools, like the bigger one, the headquarters, the Pasadena location, and another small school in, in uh, Ken Island, which is right now there, we only have jiu-jitsu. Uh, the other schools, we have uh, not only jiu-jitsu, but we have the, uh, the striking program, we have some fitness going on. So um, if you guys want to check it out, uh, you guys can take a look on bjjconquest.com and it has every, every location there or schedule. If you guys want to stop by, you know, um, more than welcome. Uh, we're very, we're very uh, you know, laid back school. Like we, re- we love to receive visitors because I'm literally 20 minutes away from uh nsa the national security uh, agent and uh the ford meet so we we have like a huge military base around us so we have students flew from everywhere like from japan or people from overseas that just come to do like a six months course or something then we'll stop by and train black belts from everywhere so yeah we you guys are more than welcome anytime you want to stop by. Cool. And also just want to give a shout out to Danny 4 yeah. and 5. Danny uh, trained with me for many years in Arizona. So he's been training with you for how many years now? 2019. Wow. That's <laughs> too long. I don't remember anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so but, it was pretty cool that you guys, uh, uh, they got promoted in Brazil, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yep. That's uh, so a great guy. So Danny, uh, you're always welcome at the school. You know that anytime he's in Arizona, he comes to visit. So great guy. And that's it, man. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it, Sanchi. Thank you. Thank you, Gustav, for having me. Um, I always listen to your podcast. Matter of fact, when you start the, the videos on YouTube, 
I, I, I was always listening. I was always sharing for my students in Brazil, you know, especially the ones in Portuguese. My students love to listen to your, your, your message, your work. So, yeah, it's like, a matter of fact, you helped me a lot on that transition from become a leader. So I want to really thank you for your great message on Facebook. It was, it was really, really, really important for me at that time. Awesome. Thank you so much. And for all the listeners, stick around for my final thoughts. Oos. Oos. Let me share with you my final thoughts from the interview with the fourth degree black belt Vicente Jr. If you're listening just to the final thoughts on Instagram at Gustavo Dantas BJJ, Vicente is the co-founder of BJJ Conquest, which has multiple academies in Maryland. He talked about running his association in the U.S. and in Brazil. He also talked about the importance of treating your business like it's a business instead of a hobby. Otherwise, you will be compensated financially as a hobby. And my takeaway from the interview came when we talk about how crucial it is to acquire knowledge. However, even more important than learning, it's applying what you're learning, which inspired me to title this episode, Executing on Your Knowledge. Back in episode 32, titled The Way of the Warrior, I interviewed Pedro Valente. Pedro, along with his brothers Guy and Joaquin, runs a very successful association, the Valente Brothers Jiu-Jitsu. Great interview, one of my favorite episodes, and today I'm going to share with you the same concept I shared during the final thoughts. One of the suggestions that Pedro had for the listeners was go seek knowledge anything related to personal professional growth. And to do that, you need to read, listen to audiobooks, podcasts, whatever you prefer. Now, after you acquire the new knowledge, you need to make a decision. Would you like to be a librarian of the mind or a warrior of the mind? What am I trying to say with this? There is a book titled The Philosophy of Cognitive Behavior Therapy, subtitled Stoic Philosophy as Rational and Cognitive Psychotherapy by Donald Robertson. In CBT, Cognitive Behavior Therapy, they're not interested in the past. They want to know what are you doing with your thoughts and behaviors right now. Philosopher means lover of wisdom. Pretty much what the psychotherapist does right now, the ancient philosophers were doing over 2,000 years ago. Stoicism used to be the most dominant kind of approach to the art of living until Christianism. The philosophers were known as the physicians of the soul. Tim Ferriss, the author of 4-Hour Workweek, describes Stoicism as, quote, a fantastic operating system for thriving in high-stress environments. It's a framework for making better decisions and training yourself to be less reactive, unquote. Self-control is a virtue of the samurai and the way of the warrior, as Pedro described in episode 32. In the book, Donald makes the comparison in between the ancient philosophers and the modern philosophers and describes them as the librarian of the mind and the warrior of the mind. The librarian of the mind seeks knowledge and focuses on figuring out all the details, all the logics, and catalog them, however, not practicing and executing on their learning. The warrior of the mind, the lover of wisdom, was a practical philosopher interested in applying all ideas in the arena of life, not just cataloging them. They executed on the new ideas and concepts that they knew that was the best for them. Now, how can you apply this warrior mentality of learning, being practical, and using the arena of your life? Let me ask you this. 
What is a practice that you know theoretically to be true, but you haven't executed yet? Keep one thing in mind. Common sense is not always common practice. For example, if you read all the books about proper nutrition, you talk about it, but you eat junk food and donuts all the time, you're being a librarian of the mind. If you're going to seek knowledge, why not to live in congruence with the knowledge that you believe and know that is true? Is it easy? No, it's not. It takes practice. Self-control needs to be practiced daily so you can choose the warrior route more often than the librarian route. Let's be honest. Of course, there are plenty of moments in my life that I catch myself being a librarian of the mind in some area of my life, knowing that I should be doing something else. However, for whatever reason, I'm not. All I can say is I'm not perfect. And the good news is that you're not perfect either. For example, I have a morning ritual that includes going over multiple questions for me to reflect and statements that I believe to be true in the morning. One of the questions is, are you being comfortable in uncomfortable situations? Still part of this question I ask, are you facing your fears daily? Then I reflect. Personally, I do my best to live in congruence with what I believe. However, Let's say one day, for whatever reason, I let my anxiety take over. I wasn't present and caused me not to feel comfortable in an uncomfortable situation. Now, how would you handle when you realize that you're being a librarian of the mind? Would you be mad, frustrated, and super hard on yourself? Here's the thing. If you catch yourself not living in congruence with something that you believe... The first thing is to congratulate yourself for being self-aware and catching the negative pattern on the spot. Then forgive yourself. Practice self-compassion. You lost your focus. It's okay. You're a human being. And you're going right back in doing your best to be the warrior of the mind and to live in congruence with what you believe. To wrap up, I would like to share with you a quote from a nation sage. Quote, If you don't apply your knowledge and are addicted to reading just for the sake of pleasure, then your reading habit is little different from other forms of entertainment. Knowledge is never going to change substantially unless you actively implement it in your daily life. Seek knowledge, learn, and execute. We're glad you were able to join us for this episode of the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast. But the lesson doesn't end here. Watch the videos and download the audio of the 10 mental mistakes BJJ competitors make and how to avoid them for free when you subscribe to the BJJMentalCoach.com. Don't miss the chance to find out what might be holding you back from being your best self on and off the mat. That's the BJJMentalCoach.com.